You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. I was sorry for him. I told him, I said, I'm sorry. You guys played your tails off. And uh, coming off the performance last week, uh, I thought we had a good week of practice. I knew we would play hard. I knew we would uh, have a better performance. We didn't get off to a great start. We're down six to nothing before you can blink an eye and you think, oh boy, here we go again. But then Malik comes up with a huge play, which I was excited for Malik, and it flipped the momentum. Uh, And... uh, but in the end, we have to find a way to get a first down with four minutes left on offense. Um, and we have to find a way to get a stop. And we lose contain on a really good quarterback, and he's going to make you pay because then you drop coverage. Uh, and you just can't do that with that talented of a player and that savvy of a kid. And, and that's really the tale of the fourth quarter. Charlie Brewer made plays. That was Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman following Kansas State's heartbreaking loss on a last-second field goal tonight in Waco, Texas against the Baylor Bears. And welcome to the PowerCat postgame podcast brought to you by Caddyshack Golf. Unfortunately, Kansas State went right to the brink with Baylor tonight in Waco, but the Wildcats lost 32-31 on a 30-yard field goal by John Myers as time expired. The Bad Luck Bears, who have lost a series of close games, including a game on a last-second field goal at Texas Tech, got their revenge on the world tonight by beating the Kansas State Wildcats, who quite simply were not exact enough to get a win. They were better, but not quite good enough because the scoreboard don't lie. Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, Brian Hanley, our football analyst, a former K-State offensive lineman, and as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Caddyshack Golf, caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing Willie apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Brian, 32-31, you could kind of see it slowly unravel there at the end like a train wreck. Uh, and, well, I'll just get your initial reaction to this loss by the Wildcats. Well, I mean, it's just what you said. You could see, you could see it happening, um, and it was sad because the defense played great for about three quarters, um, eh, about two and a half quarters. The defense was playing well. The offense was putting it together, and then did put it together. Um, I got some thoughts on what happened. You know, it's disappointing, and I'll just say it: coach has gotten away. Coach has gotten away. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's the old adage. When you play not to lose, you always lose. And I, for the life of me, don't understand. With three and a half minutes to go, we have the football. We don't have the personnel to just line up and say, we're just going to run it down your throat. Just I don't, And we're going to run it, and there's nothing that you could do about it. That's not what we can do well. And instead, that's what we tried to do. And just gave them the ball back. And clearly Baylor had figured this out on defense. They'd figured it out. I'm like, why aren't we trying to get first down? 
We needed two first downs. Why aren't we trying to do it? Nope. We're just going to run it up the middle and then throw a three-yard pass and see what happens. And this is what happens. Yep, uh, you are exactly right. You know, some people uh, were questioning the play calling at the end of the first half. I thought, I understand it. Will Howard's yes. out of sync. Let's just get to the yes. locker room, not give him any more points, not do anything, That's right. put the ball in peril. But when you're in that position right there and you have a chance to put the game away, you got to do something, and they didn't do anything. Uh, Coach Kleiman said after the game, and honestly, I don't remember the play. I have to go back and and look at the replay that uh, there was an option read where Will Howard uh, handed off on a play where he probably should have kept it because it was wide open like it had been on the touchdown run he had. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, that's a split-second decision. It's hard to, you know, quarterback once in a while, you're going to get that wrong. But here's the thing, Brian, your former offensive lineman, they find out Friday as they're getting ready to head to the airport that their starting offensive guards, both of them, have failed COVID tests or uh, were involved in contact tracing. I don't know which one it is, but they were out, both starting guards. Uh, They started two guys that haven't really played much this year and Taylor Portier and Delson DeForge. I thought they did a pretty good job, but unfortunately Portier got injured and they had to move uh, Cooper Beebe into the inside, which he hasn't played all year and go with Duffy and Levinston at tackles. So not only did they not go with their offensive line that they thought they would, then they had to shuffle that unit that had actually played okay right in the middle of the game because of injury and yet they try to run the ball up the middle to salt the game away. I I was baffled by it. Um, and still, I, I think they just put too much faith in a defense that was done. They were shot. They were yeah. tired. This, this, this team's predicated, this program's predicated on a lot of depth, rotate players, but because of COVID, they can't do that now. So this defense wasn't as fresh as the defense, for example, we saw at Oklahoma. That isn't the same That's thing. Right. This, these guys were done, and they had harassed Charlie Brewer, and Baylor had kind of figured it out. A lot of short passes, get rid of the ball quickly so Brewer can't be sacked, and it was working. And uh, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I just think the coaches kind of failed their players in this game, and that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what happened. Like I said, they had figured us out. And instead of trying to go win the game, we just – it's almost like – I mean, if you don't trust the quarterback, and again, at the end of the first half, they did the exact right thing. Just get in. Just get in at the half. He had thrown two interceptions. He was out of sync. But you know what? We were winning. And just get in the half. That's right. But at the end of the game, go win the football game. And if you don't trust them to do that, then don't play them. That's my philosophy. If you don't trust the guy to be able to go make a play for you, that's a, that's with anybody. If you don't trust them, then why are they on the field? It was winning time, and it's time to go win a football game. And if you can't put guys out there that you think can win a football game and trust them to do what is necessary to win a football game, then they don't need to be on the football field, period. And – it's frustrating to see because, again, the guys played hard. They played hard, Tim. This is a football game they should have won. This is a game they should have won, and, and we got in the way. We got in the way, and it's disappointing because the guys did all they could. They did all they could, and and yet adults get in the way. It's pathetic, in my opinion. It's pathetic. Well, K-State ran the ball 35 times this game for a total of 256 yards. That was blown up a little bit by a 75-yard 
Uh, jet sweep by Malik Knowles. But Deuce Vaughn ran 19 times for 102. Harry Trotter ran five times for 32. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why they weren't giving the ball to Harry Trotter a little bit more. I don't know. He kind of cranked out some yardage in the middle where there wasn't much to operate with. And yet they got away from him. Will Howard, 9 of 18, those two interceptions in the first half, including one that won the very first play, second play of the game, whatever it was, that set up a Baylor touchdown right out of the gate. Deuce Vaughn was your leading receiver with three catches, 19 yards. Bradley Moore added two and 15. And again, the the receivers only had two catches in this game, which uh, I'm beginning to find hard to explain at this point of the season. But it is what it is. Brian Hanley, it's another loss. And now this team is 4-4 four and four in the Big 12, coming home for Texas. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit uh, mystified about how they lost this game. But let me ask you this. What is worse, getting your pants smoked at Iowa State or losing on the last second field goal in Waco, Texas? This is worse. Yeah. Iowa State's better than us. Iowa State's better than we are. And although we played horrible – there were some reasons on why we did. You know, we didn't have a full roster. I don't want to try to make excuses, but Iowa State's a better football team than we are. Baylor is not, and and they're just not. And this is a game that we should have won. We should have won. The guys did everything in their power to win the game. And I'm not saying that they didn't make mistakes and, and those kinds of things. They did, but we're a better football team than Baylor, and we let it get away. Yes, indeed. Baylor just made enough plays to get over the hump, and uh, maybe they won it because the the veteran quarterback, I'm not sure, made fewer mistakes than Charlie Brewer. But, boy, Brian Hanley, that defense was really good in the first half. I mean, that was six sacks in the first half. Baylor had 80-some yards, 88, I think it was. Uh, that's as good a K-State defensive effort as I've seen. They absolutely stole everything Baylor wanted to do. And then Baylor came back to its credit with a different game plan and started running some screens and and, and caught K-State in a flat-out blitz on one screen. Still, though, Brian, one of the things that bothered me about this defense is it looks like they've gotten back into their habit of trying to stick their shoulder into people instead of wrapping up. Mm-hmm. They missed some tackles again that were very yep. costly, and it's just got to stop. Yep. They, they're just, I mean, it's like they think that they're Mike Singletary and Dick Buckus, that if they just run into you. But the thing about those guys, they wrapped you up. They didn't just hit you. They were hit you and then wrapped you up. So I don't understand what we're doing with this, this throwing shoulders at guys because it didn't work. I mean, the guys just bounced off of them and just kept going. I'm like, we got to get back. And, and maybe you can't practice that, and I understand that part of it. You can't practice it. You don't want to get guys hurt. You don't want to expose guys to certain things. So, it, it, I mean, this season, it becomes difficult. But you know what? These guys are old enough to know that you have to tackle. It's not like they're first, you know, they've never played football before. They're old enough to understand how to tackle and wrap up, and they're just not doing it. Give me your thoughts on Will Howard. Or at least they didn't in the second half. I take that back. Yeah, they didn't in the second half. Give me your thoughts on Will Howard. I thought he was, uh, I'll be blunt, pretty atrocious in the first half. He, his mechanics broke down. Maybe it was the rain. Maybe it was the pressure. Maybe it was, uh, you know, just everything added up. But he was throwing off his back foot, making bad decisions. I thought he gathered himself a little bit in the second half and made some better passes. A nice one to Briley Moore in the course of the big run. Uh, I thought that was an encouraging sign from a kid that is really struggling right now. 
That's that's true. He did. He made a couple of plays in the second half. First half was awful. Uh, there's no question about it. In my opinion, he's regressed. Um, it's like he sees the rush and he's just backpedaling. And maybe they can't work on mechanics and stuff during the week because his mechanics are awful. And until he learns how to play the quarterback position, and maybe that's one of the reasons, I don't know. But, I mean, you just got to – you got to understand when you drop back to pass, guys are coming from the outside. You have to step up and throw the ball. You can't throw the ball on your back foot and be accurate. I mean, that's, I mean, he doesn't have, you know, Aaron Rodgers' arm strength or Patrick Mahomes arm strength. You know, he, he just has to be better. The mechanics have to be better. And he's just got to learn how to play the quarterback position um, better, but he's a freshman. So, and he's, you know, he's not supposed to be playing, um, it's a crazy season, so I don't want to come down too hard on him. Uh, but he's got to be—he's got to get better. He's just got to get better. Yeah, that first interception of the game was uh, pretty awful. It was awful. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You just can't can't throw that ball, let alone float it down the middle of the field like that. Deuce Vaughn, the other freshman. This kid is a warrior. I mean, they they would get after him and stop him, but he broke tackles today. He got in the he got loose a little bit. And, you know, at key times, the offensive line did one heck of a job for him. I thought Deuce yep. Vaughn was back to being Deuce Vaughn. Yep. You know, or, or maybe some of that is Baylor, but some of that is us. And I'm going to say a little bit more us than them, which is good to see. It's good to see. Let's get back to, to doing some of the things we do. It was a little bit more dynamic, Tim. That, you know, it wasn't just we're running the ball up the middle. It was a little bit more dynamic with stuff. Um, we were able to move some people around. I mean, on that long touchdown in the second half, I mean, the guys were getting moved around, and it was good to see that offensive line were they were moving people. Um, but so, but Vaughn is spectacular as a freshman. He's just spectacular. Can't say enough about how well he played today. Um, can't say enough. Just, I mean, the kid was breaking tackles. He would get stopped. Then he would break more tackles the next play. It's just he, he's going to be really, really good. Yeah. I mean, is he? he's still a high schooler's body. I mean, that's what's the amazing right. about it. He's going to get bigger and stronger and, and smarter about how to do some things, and it's going to be really fun to watch over the course of his career. Uh, I don't even know where to go with this because this has gotten so frustrating now with this team because I thought they really invested themselves in this game and they still weren't good enough. Can they rebound to beat a, a Texas team that also lost a heartbreaking game this week and might have uh, might have damaged them more than Kansas State? Let's put it that way because they still thought they were good enough to play in the Big 12 championship and now they won't be. Uh, how, how do you feel K-State will respond next week with Texas coming to Manhattan? Well, um, to be honest, it's going to depend on Texas. If Texas comes in and thinking they still, you know, they're going to finish the season out strong because let's just face it, Texas is better than we are. Uh, And if they feel like they want to come out and send a message and come out strong, the game's going to be difficult. But if Texas has packed it in, because K-State, I don't believe it has packed it in. You know, I don't. I don't believe that we are have packed it in. I just, you know, we didn't win today, but we, we didn't quit. Texas thought just what you said. Thought they still had some things to play for as far as the Big Twelve. Now they don't. They may pack it in. I mean, and who knows? This might be the end of their coach. 
you know, I heard some things today that, you know, they are just not happy with them and thought it was going to be better. Um, so who knows? Who knows how all this is going to go down with them? But um, if they come to play, it'll be a very, very difficult game because they're talented. They are, they just are. They're talented. Uh, but if not, then K-State, you know, and, and even if they come to play, don't get me wrong, it's not the case they can't compete. I'm not saying they can't compete. Uh, it'll just be a very difficult game for us to win. Um, but if they don't and they've mailed it in, K-State will win the football game. It will be interesting to see how Texas handles this. And, you know, I think yeah. it's clear that the solution for Texas is to fire another football coach. I mean, in all seriousness, I don't know what else they should do, but this isn't working. That doesn't work. Uh, it's just they've got themselves in an absolute vortex of, of failure. They can't get out of it. They keep going downwards with it. And um, I don't understand it all. I don't get it at all. It's the old saying. You had Matt Brown. You weren't happy winning nine games a year, so you got rid of him because he wasn't as dynamic and he was older. So you didn't like winning nine games a year. The same thing happened in Nebraska when they fired Frank Solich. You weren't happy winning ten games a year. That, that wasn't good enough for Nebraska. And same thing in Texas. That wasn't good enough. So you wanted more. I mean, Matt Brown, I, I don't know what else you wanted from the guy. But yet, hey, you know what? Not good enough. So you get rid of them, and this is what you get. I mean, this, literally, this is what you get. And, you know, you hired Charlie Strong, which, you know, you know I'm a Louisville fan. And when Charlie Strong left, I said, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. You were in the prime position, and you left to go to Texas. They didn't even want you. And you he didn't last. They thought Tom Herman was the answer. He's not the answer because they can't figure it out. They can't win the games that they're supposed to win. And then they don't win the games, you know, the, the, the tough games. They don't win those either. So it's, it is what it is. And he's not the answer. So what are you going to do? You know what? I think we've unintentionally fallen into this thing where uh, it's crappy to talk about K-State. So let's bag on Texas. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> It feels good. I, look, um, I really like Chris Kleiman. I like this staff, but um, one of the faults I see in Chris Kleiman is he's a coach who hasn't coached in a lot of close games. Right. It, it was a lot easier at North Dakota State. They were he admits this. He, they were typically more talented and better than opponents. I don't think he manages the clock as well as he needs to, um, nope. and I think it's really something he needs to reflect on in the off season and and do some real research on. Two-point conversions, yeah. when to go for it on fourth down, clock management, short yardage management, because he hasn't had a lot of that where it's been as challenging as it is in the Big 12. It's not because you're K-State. It's not easy if you're Oklahoma. It's just right. tougher in the Big 12 because it's more competitive one through nine uh, in this conference than he's ever faced before. And uh, I just want to know your thoughts about clock management in this game. I thought, again, he wasn't as good as he could have been. No, I mean, he's got to be better. He just has to be better all the way around. Um, the clock management, I mean, that's – you've seen coaches over the years struggle with it. I mean, Andy Reid struggles with it, with the Chiefs. Yep. I mean, he struggled with it for years. So I don't know that it's something that you can get better at. I mean, I'm a diehard Steelers fan. Mike Tomlin is awful at clock management. So I don't know – that you can get, I mean, and those guys are at the top of the profession. I mean, you know, you, you, there's not 
five coaches better than Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin. They're just not. And if they can't get it right after all these years, I don't know how you get it right, but they, they've got to do something. Put somebody else in charge of it if you can't be in charge of it, if that's you know the last resort, because we just have to be better. I mean, again, coaches, be responsible for, for what you're responsible for. Clock management is one of those things. you got to do it. It's got to get done, and it just – just wasn't good. Just was not good. This is the Powercat post game podcast. GoPowercat.com's post game podcast. And we're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Kansas State loses a tough one 32 31 at Baylor. And as we go to break, let's hear once again from Chris Kleiman. He was asked after the game by Kellis Robinette if there was anything he would change about that final offensive possession. And here is his answer. Yeah, the first play. Um, we were hoping Will would have kept it because that's what he kept on when we ran for a touchdown, you know, in the, in the series before. And I don't, I, I don't, didn't see the play, and I just heard him in the box saying, "Oh shoot, I wish he would have kept it." Didn't keep it, and uh, so we're second and eight. So that would be the only thing. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, brought to you by Caddy Shack Golf. For K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories, Caddyshack Golf, where Caddy with two T's, visit CaddyshackGolf.com. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Really cool stuff at that store. Go check it out. Uh, Brian, we got some interesting questions. Um, I'm going to say one for the end of the podcast, uh, but sure. uh, here we go. Let's dive in here. Um, okay. Contra Cat, let me see. I haven't even read these questions. For all the points that they put up and getting to see more do success, did you feel like this team put up 32 points? It did kind of sneak up there in the second half. That that little yeah. that, that 32 is enough to win a game. I mean, yes, simply is. put, as good as the defense was for two and a half quarters, as you said in the first half of the podcast, 32 should win you the game, or 31 yep. uh, should win you a game. Uh, man, I, I'm just really uh, – I'm disappointed. I'm really disappointed. 31 points should get you over the hump, and it didn't in this game. But did the offense feel good to you? Because other than a few plays, brother, I didn't think they were very good, and yet they put up 31 points. Well, I didn't think they were good as a whole. 
I thought when the game started to start cooking in the second half there, we had something on offense. And it was going to be one of those games that if we could have just ran our stuff, and I'm going to harp on it because it's disappointing. We had them figured out. They couldn't stop us. They had us figured out. We couldn't stop them. So we scored. They came down and scored. It was our turn to go, and we didn't go and do it. And when you don't go do that, and the coaches had to know it. They had to feel that, that hey, they've, they, our defense is spent. They're literally spent. We can't stop them. But you know what? They can't stop us, so let's keep our foot on the gas. We didn't. So in a, in a sense, the first half, the offense wasn't great, but it was good enough. I mean, we had to score 17 points. I don't know how we did it. We scored 17 points, you know, and then we we got them figured out and we were moving it. And then we just, the end of the game, we just didn't, didn't go in it and we allowed them to win it. And it's disappointing. It really is. You talked about this in the first half. I'm going to give you another round at it here because Fervent Purple wants to know, did we really expect the plays we called on that last drive to work? They got so cautious that they kind of swallowed the whistle. They didn't want to make the call to go go for it at the end of the game, and and uh, they just hoped one of those would pop loose, and they didn't. Uh, again, I'm going to say it. If you don't trust the guys on the field to go make the plays, then they shouldn't be out there, period, point blank. If you can't trust your guys to go win you a football game, then don't put them on the field at any time. Don't put them out there. Because the object is to win, period. Go win a football game. And it was right there for you to go win it, and you didn't give the guys the opportunity to do it. I do not blame the offensive line. I don't blame the running backs. I don't blame anybody. But coaching, go win a football game. Stop being scared. Go play. You know, the one thing that you had mentioned, um, and maybe somebody had brought it up in a previous podcast, is the offensive coordinator – is he good enough to call in big-time football and Big 12 football? Is he good enough to, to call plays? And I was reluctant to say that last week, but I don't know. I don't know. The part of it is, you know, hey, we don't have the Joes and all that right now with COVID and everything else and injuries and, you know, whatever the case may be. But I don't know. I don't know that he is, is capable – of calling a game in the Big 12 that you have to call to win consistently because, again, this is a football game that you should have won, and you literally just let them off the hook and lost it. And that's that's disappointing. Yes, indeed it is. Man, you just answered about three questions at once. That was brilliant. Uh, I Look, I think uh, Coach Messingham is uh, working with limited tools this year Yep. But, you know, some of the stuff he called was marvelous. I mean, the jet sweep hit him at the right time. Uh, they got the running game going a little bit. Will Howard's keep uh, got going at the right time. Uh, so, you know, fans tend to, and I think we all do it, call the plays at work. You know, that's what we right. want them to do. Like, if we called the plays, every play would be brilliant and it would work. Some, it, sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes the other team's better. But, yeah, there's times – when I really question what the heck we're doing, and again, this is another one from Fervent Purple, inexcusably bad in the third quarter pretty much every game. Yeah. Why? 
Why? It's, it's almost like they go take a nap at halftime and are coming out and they're literally just come waking up from a nap. I'm like, what is going on? This is pathetic. It's just, but again, that's, I don't, I, I try not to be this person, but if your team's not ready to play coming out of halftime, there's one reason for that. And one reason alone is coaching. I mean, they don't have them ready. You know, there's nothing else that you can say. Coaching staff is great as a whole, but there's some holes here. And if your team, if you can't get them ready, I mean, there's, I mean, that's, you know, there's nothing else that you can say. Bad in the third quarter. Get the guys ready. You know, I don't know what you got to do. Smack them in the face as every one of them as they're walking out without a helmet on or something. But you got to wake up because it's just, I mean, every single week it's the same thing. I agree. He also wants to know where Mess ranks in uh, the Big 12 and coordinators. And I I can't answer that. I don't sit around and assess yeah. every coordinator. But let's stop and just think about this. Oklahoma uh, has a pretty good offensive coordinator because they have pretty good tools on offense. I mean, um, it's Oklahoma. So set that aside. Oklahoma State. Well, look, when you've got Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard and, and Tylen Wallace, you're pretty smart. And without them. They they had to come up with something different today and put in the third string running back who ran for two hundred plus. So I don't yep. know if that's great offensive coordinator or just having the Jimmys and Joes. TCU, they've been disappointing. KU, let's not even discuss it. Baylor has been pretty average on offense and today had uh just enough in its tank to win the game and, and short of the early turnover, they probably wouldn't have had that um after K State gifted them that six points. So if you start going through it, I mean, even Texas Tech that's put up some points this year has been wildly inconsistent with offense. Uh, it's it's almost as if the Big 12 has taken a turn here and become more defensive focus than offensive focus. And uh, maybe that's because in this pandemic season, offenses aren't as polished because they didn't have as much time to rehearse so to speak uh during the off season and no spring football and you know they kind of say playing defense is usually ahead of offense because it's you know go go get go tackle right um but brian do you agree that i think the defenses in the big 12 are generally better than they have been and i'm not searching for an excuse for courtney messingham he should be accountable for play calling but if you look around the conference very few guys uh are looking like uh, you know, there's some of the Andy Reid play calling. I mean, that's just not going on. In yeah. This no, 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 no. Um, it, I mean, if you think about it, it, I mean, college football is basically if you have a quarterback that can play, you can do some things. Well, look around the league. How many good quarterbacks? I mean, real good quarterbacks are there in the Big 12 this year? I mean, if you think about that for a second. And that may change your mind because while Tech, I mean, their quarterbacks aren't great. And I know they throw it around the yard a lot, but their quarterbacks aren't great. TCU, same thing. You know, I mean, K, we don't have a great one. KU, I mean, come on now. Um, West Virginia, I mean, they, I mean, so there's not that many great quarterbacks where there have been in the past, you know, and a lot of dynamic, but I believe that you're correct. I just believe that right now, I mean, if you don't have that practice time as an offense, then it becomes difficult 
you know, to run as a well-oiled machine. You've got to have that practice time, and it starts in the spring. And when nobody has that, and again, defense, is it's easy. I shouldn't say it's easy. I take that thing. It's not easy, but it's so much easier because it's just, hey, I'm going to go tackle a guy. Right. You know, regardless of, well, you know, I know you have different formations and blitzes and, you know, personnel groups, all that good stuff, but at the same time, it's, hey, there's the ball. I'm going to go get the ball, and I'm going to tackle whoever has it. So, where on offense, you know, you got to, I mean, just like a line, you got to be in sync. So, I believe that they're more defensive-oriented, but I also think that it may be a shift because, hey, look at OU the last two years. They've gone to the playoffs and had their heads handed to them because they can't stop a soul. Literally, they yeah. get into the playoff and they can't. I mean, three years. I mean, when Baker Mayfield was, they couldn't stop anybody, you know? And if you can't stop anybody, you can't win. You just can't win. If you can't stop somebody from time to time, I'm not saying you have to shut somebody down, but if you can't do it, then you're not going to win. And I believe that that's, you're, you're 100% on to something, Tim, is that teams, I think, have under understand we've got to be a little bit more defensive conscious. If we're really trying to build a program and win on a consistent basis, we've got to have better defense. You just do. Yep. Beefy Panda, uh, besides being a great name, has a very good question here. People are still employed during the pandemic outside of college football. Uh, and they're expected to deliver results. Why should we give the coaching staff an exception just because this year is hard and unpredictable? Um, I, I agree with that, first of all, in, in many ways. And actually, you know, aside from the fact that, that COVID has taken a toll on some teams more than others, I mean, playing without both your starting linebackers and both your starting offensive guards uh, is out of the norm even for injury situations. But for me, Brian, this season kind of turned with Skylar Thompson's injury. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not really a COVID thing. That's a losing your quarterback when, when your backup is a, a true freshman. And I think we can. I I truly believe there's two more wins on this this season uh, from this team if Skylar plays. But what are your thoughts? And that's absolutely the case. I have never been a person that believes that coaches get fired or replaced or anything when you're dealing with tons of injuries. Injuries happen on the football field. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's the nature of the business. I've said it on here before. Football is a, is a sport where bones break and ligaments tear. It's just going to happen. At the same time, I mean, when you're dealing with tons of injuries and then COVID on top of that, not being – I mean, it's hard when you're a coach and a guy can't practice. First of all, who says that these guys are even even sick? That's the first thing. If a guy gets COVID, but he may not have any symptoms, right. but then he can't play. Well, I mean, what are you supposed to do about that? You know what I mean? I mean, what? it's just one of those. I understand what the question, and I can respect the question because it is a good question. You do, they should be held accountable. But at the same time, I mean, what are you supposed to do when they don't let a guy that's not sick, but he tested positive for something that he can't play in the game and you're expecting them to play? Well, I mean, that, things go out the window. We just have to be a little bit more lenient when we're talking about holding them accountable for this. I hold them accountable for in-game situations, but I'm not going to hold guy co- coaches accountable 
for this season because of what they have to deal with. I mean, they're dealing with, I mean, their job is predicated on a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds doing the right thing during this season. It's one thing when there's not COVID and you're having to keep them, you know, from going out and getting drunk and getting DUIs and, and getting in trouble. That's one thing. It's another thing to, keep them from even leaving wherever they're at so they don't get this crazy disease so they can play football so you have enough guys to play a football game. I mean, that, that almost sometimes it can be impossible. I mean, I mean, I mean you're just if you think about it. So I, I'm not going to hold them accountable and beat them over the head for, for that. I mean, because that's, I mean, honestly, it's not really fair. It's this season, I know. Again, I respect the question, but and I and I like the question, but at the same time, you, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, literally, what 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 are you supposed to do? I mean, they're telling you you can't play this guy yet. Been sick at all? And again, I don't know that that's the case, but I'm just saying. I mean, if somebody can't play because of what happened on a Friday, I'm assuming that they weren't sick during the week. And then you find out on Friday that they can't play. So that's it, it's crazy. It is crazy. So. It's absolutely crazy. And I'll say this: if uh, those two guys were really sick, uh, but did, they didn't show up until Friday, they might have other cases. They may not be they, playing. Absolutely. Next week. If they were absolutely they were around the team the whole time during preparations. Uh, there's a lot of things about this I don't understand. Uh, great answer. It was a great question. It's worth discussing. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But let me let me just say that um, I, you also have to have some context here. K State is four and four in the Big Twelve. I know it sucks. Okay. They've lost four in a row, but they're four and four, and they beat Texas. They go five and four. In That's this right. weird year, they lost two non-conference games. You know, you're only playing 10 games. Yeah, they lost Arkansas State. Uh, but if this isn't a COVID year, they don't lose to Arkansas State. Simply put, I mean, Arkansas State was – they had a game under their belt. They had spring football under the belt. They were a better team yep. on that Saturday. You play them right now, you beat them, I believe, even, with, right. even when you're shorthanded. But uh, they also probably would have scheduled a couple more games. They would have beaten the hell out of Vanderbilt, I can assure you that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually would be more worried about Buffalo after what they did today uh, right. than, than anyone else. But I'll just say that um, you got to keep in, in mind that they probably lost a couple – victories uh, because they're only playing 10 games. Uh, and if they win Saturday, they matched their last year's record in the Big 12, and I'm I'm okay with that in this screwy year. Um, yeah. I, it's hard to hold any coach that's in his first, second, or maybe even third year fully accountable right now because they don't have their program's feet under them enough uh, to have uh, probably the stability to withstand a season like this. But you can look around this country at places like Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska, um, I'm listing all Big Ten programs for some reason, but, <laughs> but you get you get my my point here that uh, there are more established programs with coaches that have been in place longer that suck that are really yes. bad this year. LSU, yes, lost a yes. lot of guys going early in the draft. A lot of them sat out. A lot of them decided not to play football this year. But your damn yep. LSU, um, you know, I I can guarantee you this right now. LSU from top to bottom has more talent on this depleted roster it's, it's using in 2020 than K State has right now. So that's right. Um, you got to do what you got to do, but uh, it's a really really screwy year, and there's programs that are far worse off this season uh, in the COVID year than K State. But it, it's just a 
It's just the whole thing's screwy. Um, yeah. Uh, Fervent Purple, is there anything you see in this weird season that bothers you as you look forward to future seasons? Uh, my clock management, we've mentioned that, and play calling. I mean, yeah. Um, they once they get the depth going, once they get more weapons, they're going to look a lot smarter. Period. Right. That's the way coaching is. You look a lot smarter right. when you got better players and you got better depth. And right now, they don't have enough of either one. Well, college football or college sports in general, in my opinion, sixty-five percent of it is recruiting. That's your job is to get the players there. It's another thing to coach them up when they get there. But your job is literally to get the guys there so that you can have a good football team. 65% of it is recruiting the guys. So when you're able to do that and you get the guys in, you're going to have a better football team. I mean, just think of, and I know this is, this is old way of thinking, but it's not really an old way of thinking. Just and think about coach Snyder when he first got to K-State, they didn't have a guy on that football team, maybe Michael Smith, but they didn't have a guy there that could play on a team in the in from '94 on. They didn't have anybody yep. that could play. I mean, not one person. So it takes. I mean, there's no good coaches with bad players. Uh, that's the one thing that I will tell you. There are no good coaches out there that have a bunch of bad. That have a roster full of bad football players. That doesn't exist. So the better than, that we get and the more talent that we're able to accumulate, the better the K-State is going to be. It's been the same way forever. So we just got to get start digging deep and getting better players, and, and the, guy, the coaches will look better. But as far as anything else, I mean, that's just time management. Like I said, time, you said it, time management and play calling. I mean, there's, I, mean I don't want to get into anything else because, I mean, they got to recruit better. You know, they got to recruit. You know, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I don't know how they're even going to do it this year, to be honest with you. I mean, I know you could do tons of Zoom meetings and stuff like that, but can you bring people in? Nope. I mean, what are, yeah, I mean, so you can't do that. So it's going to be tough, but everybody else is going to do it. So we got to find a way to do it, too. Yep. It's a huge advantage for the programs that are surrounded by recruits. That's right. It really is. I mean, if you're a kid well, growing up in Texas, you know yeah. most of those programs. You've been to the games. You know what their facilities right. are like. You can drive down there, you know, an hour from my house, and I can go look at Baylor and TCU and, you know, on and on. Uh, it's But in Manhattan, Kansas, it's it's more challenging, and it is going to be a big challenge for them. We'll see how they uh, work this out. Uh, you probably did not hear the post-game, pod, or post-game press conference when asked about some of the play calling. Coach Kleiman simply said, I don't know. You'll have to ask Coach Messingham when he's available on Thursday. Mm. Yeah. And so C. Putnam <laughs> 1 wants to know uh, thoughts on that. Um, is he trying to let Mess answer for himself so, and not defend him? Or uh, it was odd. It, it, it was uh, that, that's, that's, to the point. And I think uh, there might be some satisfaction, yeah, you know, even that, though they're very close friends. That, that's not a good sign. I can tell you that right now. That's not a good sign because as the head coach, it all falls on you. It, that's just the way that it works. You get paid the big bucks, so it all falls on you. But now, if you're saying you'll have to ask him, well, then there's something going on there because – 
you there's no way in the world that you pin the blame as the head coach on the offensive coordinator play calling talking about well just ask him you'll have to ask him well no we're asking you you're the head coach you're i mean the buck stops with you and he's saying that it doesn't and that that's that's not good tim no. that, that's not good no. i mean he can there can be some dissatisfaction and he can be upset but you don't take that to the press conference so if that's going on i, I don't know I I don't know. I, I know that's not a good sign. I know that it's not even a, a okay sign. It's not a well. No, no, it's a bad sign. It's a bad sign when your head coach is doing that. Let's finish this up with a couple from Contra Cat. Uh, he brings up a good point. K State's nine games in. They haven't haven't had a postponement cancellation. They'll you know if all goes as planned, they'll play on Saturday against Texas and wrap up a ten game regular season without. Uh, a break uh, other than the planned off weeks. Uh, should we take that as, uh, and just be thankful for that, you know, four and five, eh, uh, losing four in a row sucks, but getting all 10 in in this season, uh, there's something to be said about that. Yep. I believe so. Um, it's just, I mean, it's college football. So having college football and having the guys go out there to be able to compete, giving us fans a reason to go root, is special in my opinion it's special so just to say that we got through the season we didn't have any cancellations there's something to be said for that because this COVID stuff is hard man it's hard I mean just I remember my job I mean when it first came out in March we had 20 people get it within a week and a half 20 people you know and they completely shut everything down and that was back when we didn't know anything and how it worked or anything like that. So this COVID stuff is hard. And like I said, to keep – I mean, I just can think of back when I was in college. There's no way you could have kept me in my house or in my dorm room. <laughs> There's a zero possibility that I would have done that or didn't have people come over. That just wasn't going to happen. Just was not going to happen. So for us to be able – and I'm sure it's probably not happening with the guys now, you know, so for us to not cancel games means we're doing something right. So, uh, I, I mean, and it, it is special. I mean, that's a good question. It's a good point to bring up is, hey, we're able to, to get these games in, play college football. Because who, I mean, if you'd ask me in August that I think, or the beginning of August that I think that it was going to happen, I would have said no. I mean, I would have said absolutely not. We're not playing. Yep. So to be able to get it done, I'm thrilled. I don't like that we've lost four games in a row, but okay, that's okay. We're getting better. We're getting better, you know, or we need to get better. We're playing football, and that's how you get better, playing football and practicing every week. So it is what it is. That's a good question, but whether we win Saturday or not, I'm counting the season as a success. I would agree, especially since it doesn't expire anyone's eligibility and guys can come back. And For a <laughs> building right. program, that's going to help you with these problems in recruiting and the fact that Deuce Vaughn is a freshman next year. Let that right. soak in. Um, so that's there's a lot of positives in that alone. Let's finish this up as Kansas State loses tonight in Waco, Texas, 32-31 to fall to 4-5 and five on the season, 4-4 four and four in Big 12 play. But Contra Cat, I'm going to make your wish come true. He wants 20 minutes of primal scream therapy for him to listen to at the end of the podcast. It's not going to be 20 minutes. Contra Cat, here's your primal screams. No, God!
God! No, God, please, no! 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 PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.